Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible teacher, author, and adventure junkie. Join me each week for compelling conversations with leading voices that encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together, we'll discover miracles in life's messy moments and make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to the Make Life Matter podcast. No matter how good we look to others, the nagging voice of self-doubt is hard to shake. Perhaps no one understood this more than Moses. Today, award-winning author Erica Wigglehorn encourages us to rest in God's identity and sufficiency with her brand new book, Letting God Be Enough, Why Striving Keeps You Stuck and How Surrender Sets You Free. Are we enough? No, but our God certainly is. Welcome, Erica. I am so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. I am thrilled to be here. Well, we met at the Speak Up conference and it was just kind of a divine connection. And I've already been so encouraged by you personally. And then that was only strengthened by reading this brand new book. I was blessed to have an advanced copy of Letting God Be Enough. I loved every page, Erica. Thank you for your voice and your obedience. And it released yesterday. So people can order it right now, right? Right off the top. Let's let them know how they can order it. Yes, uh, you can order it through your local Christian bookstore, christianbook.com, Barnes and Noble, uh, Target, Walmart, Amazon, obviously, uh, it's through Moody Publishers. You can even go directly to Moody Publishers website. Um, they do have a direct to church plan. So if you are interested in ordering multiple copies for your church or small group, uh, definitely go to um moodypublishers.com and find out about the church discount that's offered. I love that. Absolutely. And I'll put that in my show notes too. Before we launch into your book, Erica, I heard you speak recently on an online conference and you talked about your own personal struggle um, with just loving the Bible. And here you are a Bible study author. You've authored three Bible studies from Moody and, and I was struck by you saying that, and it, it encouraged me to know that even those of us who love the Bible deeply can empathize with people who maybe want to love it, but they're struggling or they don't understand what they read. So can you walk us through what that was like for you and how you grew to love the Bible the way you do now? Yes. Uh, God certainly has a sense of humor at times, <laughs> Angela, doesn't he? Yes. Uh, I I came to know the Lord as a young teen. I didn't grow up in church. So uh, when people talk about flannel board Bible stories, uh, I think I was in church maybe two times, uh, maybe three as a, as a child. And uh when I finally came to know the Lord as a young teen, my youth pastor who had led me to Christ said, okay, Erica, if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to have a quiet time. I was like a quiet time, but it's a quiet time. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't like to sit down and sit still and I don't like to be quiet. So this might be a problem. Mm. Uh, and he just basically explained to me, you know, you have to grow in your relationship with Jesus. You have to spend time with him and how you do that is by reading your Bible Mm. And praying to him and listening to him as you're reading your Bible. And so as a teenage girl growing up in Southern California, I, you know, sat on my bed and opened my Bible and Jesus is talking about things like 
millstones and plowshares and mustard seeds and oxen and, you know, things I had never seen in Los Angeles as a teenage girl. And I remember sitting there saying to, to Jesus, how am I supposed to follow you when I can't even understand you? And that was how I felt when I read my Bible. I don't understand this. And I certainly don't understand how in the world it applies to my 21st century urban teenage life. Uh, But that feeling of just, I don't understand this, that stuck with me for a lot of years. Mm. And I would go to church and I would hear women talk about how they read their Bible and God spoke to them through their Bible. And I would feel so ashamed because I'm like, I don't hear Jesus speaking to me through my Bible. I just feel guilt and frustration that I'm not enjoying reading this book, that everybody else seems to have some secret I don't know. Mm. And so for years, I cycled in that guilt of not reading my Bible, not liking reading my Bible, shame that I didn't understand it. Uh, And then, you know, finally... I went to a women's Bible study, even though that required a tremendous amount of vulnerability, because the last thing I wanted to admit to anybody at my church was how little I knew of the Bible. Um, But finally, I was like, you know what? I everybody else is experiencing something I want to experience and I don't know how to get there. And no matter how much I just devote myself to opening this book and getting there, I don't seem to be getting there. And so I finally signed up for a women's Bible study and I was surrounded by these lovely ladies who had been avid students of the word and lovers of Jesus. And they began explaining scripture to me and unlocked the mystery. And I finally began to grasp it, hear Jesus speak to me through it, experience its power in my life. And I thought to myself, man, what would it have been like if I would have had a tool in my hand as a young teen, as a college girl, as a young mom, somebody to just sit down with me and walk me through scripture and help me to understand what it's saying, understand how to study it, and to give me the tools to begin to understand it on my own. Mm. And that was really that, that question to God was like, You know, he's like, well, how about you, sister? How about you do it? And that was really how I began writing Bible studies is I just wanted to unlock that door for so many people out there who are saying, I struggle to read my Bible. I don't enjoy it. I don't understand it. And I don't want to admit that it's embarrassing. It's humiliating. Um, I wanted to be that person that came alongside them with the tool and said, let's sit down together. And so that's really what my Bible studies do. They walk you verse by verse through a book of the Bible. They teach you how to study it, how to understand it, how to apply it to your life so that when you're done, you feel confident now going and reading the Bible on your own. I love that, Eric. And I think that's so encouraging to people that are listening to feel like, Okay, take a deep breath. It's not just you because the, yeah. enemy, the enemy wants to cover us in shame. And then we maybe don't even get that help that we need. I love that you reached out to women. I love that seasoned women poured into you. What a word that is for someone who's listening to say, listen, 
you have something that you can offer somebody else. I'm, I was just thinking as you were sharing that, that there's the word unexplainable in all of your Bible studies. So here you were actually dealing with, wait, I can't even understand this. This is not understandable to me. And yet you framed all of your Bible studies by, sure, he's unexplainable. And yet let's break it down. So ch- just so we're there, go ahead and tell us the name of those three Bible studies, Erica, because they share the same theme. Yeah, they all have unexplainable, just like you mentioned. The first one is an unexplainable life. Mm. And it talks about, uh, it goes through Acts 1 through 12 and Peter's uh, radical transformation from fear to just a bold follower of Jesus. Mm. The next one is the unexplainable church. And it goes through Acts 13 through 28. And it looks at Paul and how the growth of the church was unstoppable. It's so perfect for everything that we see happening in our culture today and all of the attacks that are coming Mm -hmm. against the church. But what it does is it shows all the attacks that came against Paul, came against the early church. And yet in just a matter of three years God grew his church globally Mm. by through the hands and feet of men and women who were willing to say yes to him. And the third one is unexplainable Jesus rediscovering the God you thought you knew, because as I said, he was pretty unexplainable to me in the beginning of following him. But it walks through my experience of being in Israel studying under a Jewish rabbi and helping Mm -hmm. us understand all of these Jewish culture, cultural references, linguistic uh, strategies. So when Jesus says things to us that we're like, what does he mean by that? You know, uh, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel. What does that mean exactly? Uh, When he tells the parable of the good Samaritan, you know, how did his listeners hear that story. Mm. I know how I hear it as an American woman, but how did a first century Israelite woman hear that story? Uh, So it it helps you step into the sandals of those early believers and understand Jesus from a Jewish perspective. I love that. I'm returning to Israel in April. So my heart just started to flutter because there isn't anything like being there, right? And kind of just reading the Bible with a brand new lens. So, and now you're taking us to the Old Testament. So those were all New Testament Bible studies. And so you've turned to the Old Testament for your brand new book, which is on the life of Moses, who you call the greatest self-doubter. So we'll talk a little bit more about him in a minute. But why do you think so many Christians, especially, still struggle with self-doubt? Myself included, I'm throwing myself (laughs) into the mix. I mean, it's kind of a thing we don't, we'd love to just conquer once and for all, but I feel like on a daily basis, self-doubt can come in and, and rob us of joy and peace and so many things. So what have you found to be the reason so many of us struggle with it, Erica? Yeah, such a great question, Angela. So uh, I'd like to tell you just a quick short story that sort of illustrates this. Um, I was sitting in a conference once and there was a gentleman who uh, was about was going to lead a session at the conference the next day. And so he was supposed to give us all a little teaser about his session. So he stands up on the stage and he pulls out of his pocket a crisp, brand new $100 bill. 
and he waves it in the air and he says, is there anyone who does not understand the value of this $100 bill or want this $100 bill? Well, of course, everybody wanted the $100 bill and there was a whole bunch of college students in the audience. So they especially wanted the $100 (laughs) bill, right? And so he, you know, I'm going to give away this $100 bill in my session tomorrow. And the crowd goes wild, right? Because everybody understood the value of the $100 bill. He then takes the $100 bill and he wads it all up in his hands. He spits on it. He throws it on the ground, starts stomping up and down on it. He picks it back up off the floor. He smooths it out. Of course, now it's not shiny and tidy, right? It's all crumpled and there's little tears on the edges. And he says, does anybody still want the $100 bill? Well, people are like, it's still a $100 bill. I mean, it's not perfect and pretty, but it's still a $100 bill. Spends the same. Uh, So of course, everyone says yes. Well, then he takes the $100 bill and he rips it in half. Mm. And of course, you know, we're all like, did he just do that? He rips it in half and he says, does anybody still want the $100 bill? And now we're kind of a little confused. Like, I don't know, do we want it or not? Right. And then he pulls out a roll of tape Mm. and he tapes the $100 bill back together into one solid piece. And he says, how about now? Does anybody want the $100 bill now? Well, of course, we all say, yeah, we want the $100 bill, of course. And that $100 bill, Angela, represents us. Mm. We start out life, you know, we're shiny, new and tidy, right? But life happens and we get rips and we get tears and we get spit upon and stomped upon and rejected and... Mm. We're no longer perfect and shiny and tidy anymore. We've got bumps and bruises and, and, and rips and scars. Um, but Jesus is the tape mm. on that $100 bill. He's the one who put us back together through his death and resurrection, has made us one again. He is the tape in that $100 bill. And if I were to hold up a $100 bill with pieces of tape sliced all over it, the strongest, most resilient part of that piece of paper now, that $100 bill, is where the tape has been fastened. Mm, That's good. The world teaches us that we're not valued if we're no longer shiny and tidy and perfect. They don't want a messy, ripped up $100 bill. The world tells us to look at our tears instead of the tape. Mm. But Jesus says, no, no, no. It's, it's where all your weaknesses are. That's where my power rests upon you. Mm. It's all of those limitations that have happened in your life. Those are my invitation for my limitless power to come and be at work in your life. So we struggle with it because the world tells us to look at all of the tears instead of looking at the tape. We'll get right back to this week's episode. I want to help you make life matter with some free resources at AngelaDenadio.com. You'll also find my books, albums, and ways to connect. 
While you're there, join my online community and be the first to hear exciting updates. If you long to walk where Jesus walked and are ready for the Bible to come alive in ways you have never experienced before, journey with me and Carol McLeod to Israel in 2022. Get all the details at AngelaDenadio.com. That's so powerful. I love that. Our limitations are his invitations. Those are the places if we'll let him, instead of us being ashamed or withdrawing um, because of what we feel like are our own inadequacies to say, Jesus, these are the very places I need more of your tape. Some of us need more tape than others. I've been taped taped up a few times, but we don't need to feel ashamed of the tape or resist it. We just need to welcome Jesus into those places. And that's, and, and, and I'm going to just stop right there to tell our listeners that just that story you told your book is full of so many stories. You start each chapter with a story, you weave stories in. So yes, it's meaty Bible teaching that we all need that we can ground our worth in, but it's also powerful, poignant stories like you just shared. So I'm telling you guys, you're going to absolutely love her new book. And I want to read a quote that I love from chapter three. We believe God is able to make good on his promises, but we wonder if he's willing to be good on our behalf. What can Moses, whom you call the greatest self-doubter in the Bible, teach us about trusting God? Yeah, so I find it so fascinating. Uh, So the book is really about, you know, overcoming our fear of inadequacy, making peace with our limitations, right? And what I find so fascinating is when God places the call upon Moses's life to be the deliverer of Israel, uh, you know, the call comes in Exodus 3. Uh, Your listeners may have heard of the burning bush. Uh, It's, you know, it's, it's one of those flannel board stories I yeah. never heard growing up, but I think it's one of them. Uh, basically tells Moses, like, look, I've seen the suffering of my people. I'm going to bring them out. And, you know, you're the guy for the job. And Moses's initial response to God is, you know, well, who am I? Who am I to do that? Um And that's Moses's fear of inadequacy talking, right? Like, I don't have what it takes. Hmm. I tried it before and I failed. Um, Last time I gave this a shot, it was a disaster. Um, You know, all those alarms that sound off in our in in our heads. What if the people reject me? Um, You know, what if I'm not able to carry it out? And in that moment, if we think about it, God could have unrolled Moses's resume in that moment and given Moses all of the reasons why he was the guy for the job. You know, he said, well, you speak Egyptian, you were raised in the royal court, you know how that all works with the Mm. pharaohs, you know all about the Egyptian religion, Um, you know, you've been trained, you have grew up as a prince, you've been trained in the art of war and governing people, so, you know, you, you can handle my people and making them into a nation. You've been wandering around in this desert for 40 years, Moses. So, you know, all the great places to stop on the way and get some water. Mm -hmm. I mean, God could have unrolled Moses's resume and said, here's all the reasons why you're the guy for the job. But God didn't do that. In fact, he doesn't give Moses any props at all, which would have been nice for a guy who struggles with a fear of inadequacy to maybe hear some props, but God doesn't give him props. 
he simply promises his presence. He tells God, or God tells Moses, I will be with you and this will be the sign for you. When you lead them out, you will worship me or serve me on this mountain. God essentially gives Moses three promises. He doesn't answer Moses's question of who Moses is. He basically says, I'll be with you when you lead them out. Not if, not, well, if you're able to do it this time, Moses, if the people believe you, if you're spiritual enough, Mm -hmm. if you're obedient enough, if you can communicate the vision clearly, there's no if. God says when. So he's got this promise of fulfillment, like what I've started, Moses, I'm going to do. You can't mess it up. Mm. Trust me. Right. So the promise of his presence, the promise of fulfillment. And then lastly, the promise of intimacy. This was what really struck me in God's answer when he says, you will worship me on this mountain. Mm. Basically, what God is telling Moses, some some translations say serve um, is if you will just believe me, Moses, if you will just believe me that I am the God who finishes what he starts, you're going to worship me. In other words, you're going to witness my wonders, Moses. You're going to see my miracles. You're going to experience things in following me in this assignment that will completely blow your mind Mm -hmm. to the point that all you can do is fall down and worship me. That's a pretty awesome promise. I want to live that kind of life where all I can do is fall down on my face and go, man, God, you are so amazing. I never saw that coming. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what God does. He doesn't point out to Moses the reasons why he's the guy for the job. He Mm -hmm. points Moses to look at him and why God is reliable to give Moses everything he's going to need to get the job done. Mm, It's so good. It's so good. You can tell right there how good this book is because I just want a whole lot more of everything you just said. The book is so great. There's so many great insights. And, you know, I had jotted down in my notes to speak to what you were just saying, Erica. He asks God, who am I? to do this great thing that you're asking. Again, you would think that resume would have told him who he was, but he still struggled with the inadequacy of the task before him. And God doesn't answer who he is. God says, you just tell him I am is who sends you. So we often come to God with the, who am I to do whatever with our own thoughts that that derail us or make us feel like we're not going to be able to do what God is asking of us or the enemy's voice in our own mind and heart. But God doesn't, you know, he doesn't need us to be enough in those places. That's why I love your, you know, letting God be enough to say, simply trust that I am, you know, this is a story that was familiar to me, Erica, the, the book, you know, this, the book of Exodus, the story of Moses, But there was a passage that you drew out that I thought, how have I missed that? So I thought, let's just talk about this for a second. It's a passage from Exodus 3, and it struck me in a new way. And I I believe it starts in verse 1 of chapter 4. I'm sorry, Exodus 4, verse 1. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And 
uh, and then he said, a staff, he replied, the Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took a hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff into his hand. This said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Okay. So Erica, the part I forgot is that he had to pick it up. The, the I guess I was thinking that he held it when it was a staff only, but he had to pick up the snake when it was still a snake. And the fact that he ran from it, I mean, I put myself in that situation. He's in the middle of an Egyptian desert, you know, in the middle East, he's, this is not a corn snake. I mean, this is probably, (laughs) you know what I mean? I've been in some some remote parts of Africa in my ministry there where there's vipers, there's spitting cobras. These are not snakes you want to bend down and pick up with your bare hands. And yet that was such a moment of, of God saying, Moses, you have to face your fear. You have to trust me. And that becomes the very staff that Moses uses to do so many things as a leader and the representation of God's authority leading him. So as I was reading that, there are so many ways we might be struggling with fear. And I know we we only have a few minutes left, Erica, but I want to know just some practical ways, maybe even just one way that those that are listening today saying, maybe they're not going to physically bend down and pick up a snake, but they are facing, (laughs) I know, right? Not in my lifetime anyway, but we still have to face fear every single day, especially right now in the time in our generation that we're living. So what have you found from the story in the life of Moses is a way that we can stop striving in fear and start surrendering in faith. You know, what's so powerful to me about this encounter is God knows something about Moses, right? He knows that Moses's default when he feels afraid is to flee, right? That's what he did. He fled to Midian. Mm -hmm. And so God is doing something very specific for Moses to help him overcome his fear because he's a personal and he's an intimate God. So the first word of encouragement, I would say is God knows what your default is. And he's going to invite you into a situation where you are able to act differently than your default and see his faithfulness. That's good. The second thing that I think is so powerful about this encounter is we really get finally after, you know, a long back and forth between Moses and God, we get to hear what Moses's deepest fear is. Mm. His deepest fear is that the people won't believe him and that he'll be rejected. The rejection of others is his deepest fear. And he brings that fear to God. You know, for most of us, we don't get that vulnerable with God. Mm -hmm. We kind of assume, you know, well, God knows everything. God knows. God knows my struggle. God knows my heart. God knows. God knows. We don't go to God with our biggest what if. Sometimes we don't even know what our what if is. Mm. But what if, what if we went to God with our biggest what if? What if we went to God and said, you know what? I I struggle with fear and, and I don't even know why. I don't even know where this fear comes from. But I know it's not from you. And I know it's something you want me to face. 
help me to understand this fear. Show me who you are Mm. so I can understand who I am and why I have this struggle. Um, Anytime we're operating out of fear, it really comes from two things. It either comes from an imperception of God's power. We just don't think God truly is big enough to help us overcome it. It comes from an imperception of his power or a lack of intimacy with his character. Mm. We just really don't know how good he is and how for us he is and how deeply he desires to give us the strength and the faith to overcome our fear. That's the thing he tells us in scripture more than anything else. Do not be afraid. Well, if that were impossible, if God was not committed to Mm -hmm. helping his people overcome their fear, why would he tell us to do that more than anything else? Right? So go to God with the fear And realize that the way that God's going to help you overcome that fear is to ask you to do the opposite of what your default has always been. Mm -hmm. So if it's to flee, he's going to ask you to turn around and stand firm and stretch out your hand in faith. If it's to fight, he's going to ask you to surrender and trust him to be the Lord, your God, who will fight for you. Um, But generally, those are our two responses. And God knows and he's going to put us in a, a, the perfect situation to where we are invited to see his limitless power over our lack and respond in a new way. Mm, I love it, Erica. I love it. It's such a powerful resource in the life of Moses and how we can shake self-doubt, how we can live in this limitless power. We're never going to feel like we're enough and we don't have to be. We just have to know that God is enough and he will help us to work through, like you said, the ways we uniquely tend to respond to fear and self-doubt, whether it's to withdraw, to deflect, to fight back. So it's a very personalized message that's coming through in your brand new book. So make sure you order it. It just released yesterday. If you're listening after the the launch of this podcast, just go on any of the, the standard sites and order her brand new book, as well as her Bible studies that are so powerful, especially for the season that we are walking through unexplainable Jesus, unexplainable church unexplainable life. And of course her brand new book, which is letting God be enough. Why striving keeps you stuck and how surrender sets you free guys. Erica is going to pray for us in just a minute, but Erica, I love asking everybody uh, this last question. I, my guess would be maybe your answer is going to be Moses, but I could be wrong. It might be surprising. (laughs) So uh, I'm still going to ask it, even though I might know the answer, but other than Jesus, when you get to heaven, what person has most inspired you to make life matter might be someone you can't wait to meet or a burning question that you can't wait to ask. Gosh, do I have to pick just one? I know, right? It's hard. I feel like the the kid standing in the ice cream parlor and I have to pick which flavor I want. I only get one. Oh, man. You know, one one of the characters in the Bible that really I cannot wait to meet is Paul. Um, You know, he's such a little dynamo and, you know, we're told in scripture that, you know, he was small in stature and short and, you know, I'm 4'11", so I feel his pain there. Um, But, uh, you know, he struggled with fear. Paul struggled with fear. 
And Jesus appeared to him and said, you know, keep on preaching. Don't be afraid. And I've just gone back to Paul so many times and the radical transformation that we see Jesus do in his life and just his boldness for the gospel. And, you know, at the end of my life, I want to be able to say what Paul said uh, to some of his dearest friends from the church at Ephesus. He says, you know what? I never failed to bring you the full counsel Mm. of the word. Mm. And you saw how I lived before you. And I was true to what I taught. And man, if, if I could, if somebody could put that on my uh, tombstone one day with full conviction, I would feel like my life mattered. Mm, mm, mm. Well, your life very much does matter. I didn't know you were 4'11", but there is a lot of power packed in that little <laughs> tiny frame. And we've just gotten a taste of it today. Um, thank you, Erica. Thank you for what you've just deposited in us just today. I know that so many listeners are just feeling encouraged and free and can take a deep breath to trust the goodness of God in their lives. And you've given us some real practical ways to do that. Some of us need to go back and listen, jot some of those things down and begin to implement those things and to love the the word, the way that you have come to love the word and to be free from shame. If maybe you are struggling, reach out, get the help that you need because the Bible is, it's living, it's active, it's everything you need. It's exactly what we need for the moment that we're going through. And But we need to know how to read it and how to understand Understand it and not feel paralyzed by the unexplainable part. So thank you, Erica, for the all that you're doing. I'm just going to end before we pray with our truth that matters for this episode. And it's coming right from Erica's book and Exodus chapter four, going back to that staff we talked about a moment ago that he had to pick up when it was a snake. Sometimes in our journey with God, we need tangible reminders that God is with us for Moses Gripping the staff in his hand reinforced God's presence with him. As Erica talked about a moment ago, God planned it that way. Here's Exodus 4, 17. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. When Moses set out from Midian to return to Egypt, that staff became his mainstay. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey. And he went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. The staff previously served as Moses' identity as a shepherd. How beautiful that God used this same instrument to help Moses reframe God's plan for him to become the shepherd of his people, Israel. Thank you, Erica. Thank you for your word to us today. Letting God be enough, helping some of us get unstuck from self-doubt. I just want to invite you to pray over our listeners as we close our time today. I would love to. And I just want to quickly mention, Angela, if you don't mind, uh, for the listener out there who's saying, man, that is so me with my Bible uh, struggle. uh, I have a free ebook on my website, uh, 50 Days to Intimacy with God. Hmm. And it walks you uh, through scripture and how to study scripture. And it's just a short daily devotional with a prayer at the end. But If that really resonated with a listener out there, gosh, I'd really like to just grow. Um, It's under my Busy Woman's Bundle. It's three free eBooks. It's definitely appropriate for men to the 50 days to intimacy with God. Um, But go get that free resource. I created it for someone just like you because I know how that feels And I, you know, I just want to encourage you. I want to help you. So go, go check it out. 
But let me pray. Thank let me you. pray for us. Oh, Lord, I love in your word when you tell us that you remember that we are dust. You are so uh, entirely other. You are holy and sovereign and omnipotent and all wise and all knowing things that we as mere humans never will be or never can be. But you, Jesus, at the same time, are the tender and kind God who draws near, who knows our fears, who soothes our fears, who shed your blood to cover our fears that we may be able to walk in confidence and come boldly before your throne of grace and ask for what the help that we need in our time of need. And to cast our cares upon you because you care about us. Thank you, God. And as we think about those areas of our lives where we are afraid, we don't know what the future holds. We can't cure cancer. We can't bring our prodigal home. We can't resurrect a dead relationship. We can't force someone to forgive us. We don't know if we have what it takes for this season or assignment because it feels so overwhelming. God, we thank you that you indeed are enough and that you will give us everything that we need to walk through this assignment or this season. You will not let us go. You promise your presence. You promise fulfillment. And you promise intimacy with you that we will witness your wonders on our behalf if we will just believe you. That's what you desire. You desire our hearts. And so as we listen today, whatever our big thing is where we need you to come through and be enough because we in and of ourselves are inadequate. We lay it at your feet, Jesus. And we say, today, I trust you with it. I know that you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV, and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.